0: hello and welcome to my podcast today we talk a lot of free agency with it starting march 17th with nikki jabala and sam Fortier from the washington post there's a lot to cover we touch on some topics from ron revere's press conference on wednesday then take a look at free agency and what we think might happen again a lot to discuss we talk about brandon sheriff and his situation you can follow sam on twitter at sam Sam Fortier. Got it? Sam Fortier. And Nikki at Nikki Javala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a free agent preview that should hit Friday morning. A lot of it is focused on positions of value and non-value. Would it be better to get player X in the draft or in free agency? So I'm going to go over all that, talk to a few people for that. And don't forget, when there's big news this offseason, I'm going to be doing an emergency podcast. Also, you know what? I kind of hate calling it an emergency podcast. I'm not saving your lives at the podcast. I'll call it a bonus podcast. How's that? And for those wondering about barbecue talk, I'll start including some of that in the future again as well. Probably maybe after the draft, because I got a few things for April that I want to, to leading up to the draft that I hope is fun and enjoyable. Before I get to Sam and Nikki, I wanted to give you a few thoughts. I'm going to hold off too much on Brandon Sheriff because we do discuss him. And actually, having said that, I do have a couple of things to say about him. One thing to keep in mind on Sheriff, for one year, they can absorb this sort of hit on the franchise tag and while they're still trying to work out a long-term deal. Now, I've told you before, I've heard for a couple of years, it seems that they're quote-unquote close. All I know is Washington was hopeful for a long-term deal. They still don't have one. That's all. That's what I know for sure. I know that tagging players always complicates this process, and I think it has here. And again, you can go back to a couple of years where there were deals that were, again, I've told you before, that were turned down for whatever reason. But what I would do is continue to add more. If I'm the Washington, what I would do is continue to add more interior linemen and develop them. If Sheriff Lee ends up leaving after this year, you have a cheaper in-house replacement that's the way this works. If you lose guys, replace them in-house so you're not having to go out and spend money to replace a guy you've lost because of money. You simply can't keep all your homegrown talent anymore because of the cost. I know there will be a glut of guards on the market. Washington lacks many, pl- but here, let me, one thing to keep in mind is that Washington lacks many players who you could consider are the best or among the top two or three at their position. Sheriff is one of those guys. I think Chase Young eventually will be one of those guys. Is there anybody else? No, there's not. Not at that level. And, and so I think that's something you have to keep in mind. They're paying that money for Brennan Sheriff, not just necessarily guard. It doesn't mean that you know you can just go spend on whatever. You're paying that for a guy that you think is a, is a blue chip elite player at that position. You don't let those guys walk if you can help it. I just think whenever you tag someone twice, it becomes real difficult to get a deal done. So we'll see what happens. One thing working in Washington's favor here is line coach, John Matsko. I've had a couple people tell me this, but the veterans do like playing for him because he listens to them and lets them do what they need to get ready. If a technique has worked for them, he lets them keep using it. He doesn't overwork them. Bill Callahan has a great reputation is considered a great line coach, especially for younger players when developing them, but for guy in sheriff situation, I think Matzko is probably a bigger help. Now, it clearly hasn't helped get the deal done, but I think it is part of the reason why Sheriff would like to stay here if possible. Doesn't mean it will, but it is something that works to, to the advantage here. I know as of earlier this week, there have been no contact between Washington and linebacker Ryan Kerrigan. No one should be surprised by this. I'll be interested to see what his market is. He's not getting mentioned with other pass rushers, and it's possible that others view him as a situational guy only. In which case, he'd make around five or six million. I don't know if that's how the rest, all the league, sees him. But when you see some of these lists, you know he's not necessarily always on there. So we'll see. Nothing has been ruled out to me about his future here. I just know the situation as of right now, and there had been no contact. So we'll see. Among other, among other players, they'd like to bring back what, corner Ronald Darby. Long snapper Nick Sunberg, kicker uh, Dustin Hopkins, the linebacker Kevin Pierre Lewis. Darby will be tricky because it is a—it's not a great corner market. Certainly not like last year where there were a couple of top-tier guys. I had one defensive back, defensive backs coach me tell me, he pretty much said it was a terrible group in general because he saw some of the guys that he coached that were going to be free, and he's like, if this guy's considered up there, this thing, people are in trouble signing guys. But one guy he did like was Ronald Darby. It does sound as if Darby will have a market. I think there, there has been some interest from a few teams in him. I would expect him to be in that 10 million range or so. I think he could probably ask for more, but I think if you're looking where he should be, that's the Kendall Fuller range. Um, I think that's what would be make sense for him. Ryan Anderson, he'll be gone. He wants to play line, outside linebacker in a 3-4 again, miscast as a 4 3 end. It's a better fit for him. Among other UFA's and RFA's, I would expect them to keep a guy like Danny Johnson. I don't know that they'll tender him, but I do know they do like him. They like his versatility and the fact that he can help as a returner. And when I say I don't know if they'll tender him, it's possible he returns on a two-year deal or something like that, rather than getting a tender offer. We'll see. I would think Cam Sims returns as an exclusive rights free agent, um, so you know we'll we'll see there. I've, I've told you before I wouldn't hold a, hold out hope. I'm Ruben Foster's return. Um, he is a free agent. For some reason, there's earlier this season, off season, there was some, some, some. I don't know if somebody talked about that he, he, the contract might toll. No, it doesn't because he was never put on the PUP list. He was on IR. So therefore he is definitely a 1,000% free agent, but I've told you that before. Um, I've heard from a few agents how much they like dealing with uh, new general manager, Martin Mayhew. Now he's not in control of the money, that's Rob Rogers. And I was talking to Joe Corey, the CBS cap expert, former agent the other day, and he said he always liked dealing with Rodgers because he felt Rodgers was open to more info during negotiations. Like if an agent came with some stats comparing his guy to another player who made a certain amount of money that Rodgers, he felt, would listen to it. Not everybody does. That works out or not. I don't know, but he does. It's at least agreeable or open to to more information. With Mayhew, the big word I heard was trust. Agents trust what he says, and you best believe that matters when all things are equal. There were times here in the past where a player would be told one thing and another thing would happen when they get here, or they'd have the, they'd have the front office telling them how they would be used and the coaches would use them differently. That's happened here. That erodes trust. So that's one thing, you know, I, again, ultimately things come down to money, but all things being equal, an agent will like to deal with a guy like that, and that that can help him again. Comes down to money, a lot of other, you know, some other factors, but that's something that I think that has I've heard from agents as well. Finally, with free agency starting next week, here's a little story from the old days and how crazy it used to be. Back in the day, the new league year would start at 12.01 Eastern time. So you'd have to stay up most of the night just in case or following, whatever, making calls. Um, you know, certainly before you could really do a lot of text messages. The worst time was when they signed Albert Hainsworth. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I could stop there with that statement and it would be accurate, meaning worst in Hainsworth. But that night, it was back and forth with him in Washington. Around 3 a.m., I got word, as did some others, that Hainsworth was out and that a visit had been lined up with defensive end Chris Canny, He was going to come visit, I think, the next day. That's what that's that's the story I knew at that time. You put that out there. And I think that must at the time you just put it on your website. Canny was coming in for his visit. So at 3:30 a.m., I went to bed. I woke up somewhere between 5:30 and 6, only to see that they had already signed Haynesworth in the in the time that I was asleep. I'm glad that the new league year now starts at 4 p.m. Anyway, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier from the Washington post. A lot to talk about Ron Rivera's presser, Brandon Sheriff, and of course, free agency.
2: What's up? It's Mike Jones from the football Jones podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the John Keim report, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire
0: Media. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier. All right. Well, we have free agency starting, I guess, in less than a week. And the, the legal tampering in, in a few days we had first today, we had a Ron Rivera press conference. So before we get to Parade I do want to touch on some of the topics. And for you guys, I, Nikki, Sam, whichever one I start first, what stood out to you about what Ron said today?
1: Go for it, Sam.
2: Uh, I think the, the thing that stood out to me besides uh, the Brandon Sheriff contract talk, which I know Nikki will get to, uh, was kind of the quarterback position. Obviously, he wasn't going to say hey, we're, we want to trade for Sam Darnold, or hey, we're really interested in Marcus Mariota once the, the Raiders cut him. Um, but I do think that it reinforced, perhaps even more than than that first press conference in February, that this team does not feel pressured to, to make a move. I, I don't know about you guys, but I sort of got the sense that, you know, if they don't like the trade package for Darnold, or, or if the money doesn't make sense with someone else, uh, that they might you know, consider rolling into this season uh, with Kyle Allen. I don't think they'd like to, uh, but it, that to me was sort of uh, the read I had on, on Ron Rivera's comments today that, that this team is, is prepared to not feel like it has to make a, a long-term move at quarterback. And I say that because uh, of specifically of Ron's comments about, you know, it's nice to think a guy is a franchise quarterback, but what happens when he gets here and starts playing? So I think that they want to be really calculated about this, obviously. Um, and that, to me, was the strongest indication yet uh, that they won't make a deal unless they feel it's the right one.
0: And Nikki, before we get to you, and because you can go uh, talk about Brandon or whatever, but with 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 sticking with the quarterbacks for a second, it also you know, and it could be too that they're not going to certainly spend a lot to get a guy, and it may not be this big home run trade or move or anything like that, because I don't even know that that exists you know that the ability i don't you know i don't know that they'd really be an under sean but it does seem like we're going to hear about them attached to a lot of guys because of the possibility of that but yeah i think it speaks to they don't feel like they have to improve everything right now in one offseason, and it allows you then to go build around that guy rather than just you know and, and and allocate resources there if you want to
1: I think it's also a factor of they just don't have many good options. Right. Uh, you know, they they weren't able to get Matthew Stafford after getting outbid by the Rams. Um, so I, I do wonder if part of this is is tempering expectations because there are not a lot of great options out there. I mean, maybe they try to get Darnold. Maybe, you know, they, they come away with Teddy Bridgewater if he comes available, uh, you know, after his time in Carolina. I mean, but... I think they know that none of these are, are going to be viewed as their long-term options. And, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of the reality of where they're at with, a, a, you know, a low round pick and, um, nobody really appealing in free agency and there typically never is with quarterbacks, but, um, you know, they've made it pretty clear. They're not going to mortgage the future to try to get Deshaun Watson. So, um, you know they're they're not desperate, but they also don't have many great options. So who would they no. be desperate to go get? Even you know,
0: right? And that's why it could be just another stopgap and try again next off season. So even at whether you go with the Kyle Allen Taylor Heineke plus a veteran, it could be that veteran competes with them. And if nothing else, you have a stronger quarterback room, but you don't necessarily have your answer. And that's that's kind of how is that how you see it, Sam?
2: Yeah, and I think when you think about. Kind of these situations in the past with, with different teams. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, either San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo or, or Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, kind of maybe overpaying for that middle-tier guy or, or the guy that you're not 100% sold on. So, you know, mm-hmm. if if you don't think that that guy is out there, I think mm-hmm. the stopgap, while probably um, not the guy that you want to have coming off the momentum of last season, not the guy that's going to fire the fan base up, this definitely would fit into the idea that Ron Rivera is talking about in terms of building something sustainable, not locking yourself in, not overpaying um, and saying, okay, you know, this isn't ideal, but we're going to
0: punt on this to next year. I've been around for a lot of years where they fired up the fan base in March and it fell flat in in September through December. So I think, you know, it's funny because I think what we saw last year with this too is, you, you know, you, they swung and missed on Amari Cooper, but then they got value in JD McKissick, Logan Thomas. And and it's, so I think it should, you know, just before we get to some other stuff, it's a reminder for people that just because you may not get a big name right away, it doesn't mean you're going to fall flat in free agency. So we've, we've seen that here. We've seen that here in the past. So I think that's right. Nikki, what stood out for you today with Ron? Um,
1: is this when we're going to the Brandon Sheriff part, because that was, there you that go. was really what stood out to me. Um, And it's really just one line where he said, you know, I made this decision and I made it alone. Um, I don't want to make too much of it. You know, I don't want to insinuate that he went rogue and decided to just tag Brandon Sheriff. I don't think that was the case, but I thought it was, you know, a subtle reinforcement that he has final say over personnel and Perhaps there was some disagreement in the room as to whether they should tag him. I mean eighteen million dollars for a guard is it's exorbitant um, and i'm 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 still a little stunned that they decided to tag him. I'm also surprised that Brandon hasn't signed it outright just to lock in eighteen million dollars for at least one season and then to become a free agent again next year because in my view if you really like the guy and you're willing to spend 18 million dollars why aren't you able to reach a long-term agreement with him for, you know, presumably a lower annual annual average value and a lower cap charge that would make more sense for the team. And especially, you know, there, there are going to be other guards on the market. There already are, you know. The Patriots are keeping Thoney. Um Zeitler was just released by the Giants, so there are other options out there that, you know, maybe you could have gotten Um, as much value at a much, you know, lesser cost.
0: What do you think, Sam?
2: In terms of what Nikki said about the line and not making too much of it, um, it it really struck me. It made me think of when they had the introductory press conference with with Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and Rivera. uh, Rivera closed that press conference by saying, uh, you know, he seemed really giddy about the partnership and and he closed it by saying, if we do this right, there shouldn't ever be any disagreements. And while that might have been perhaps a little idealistic, even at the time, I think that it was a little more measured today. It was a little more realistic about, you know, you have this six man brain trust in the front office now, you know, kind of spearheaded by those three at the top. Um, but, but it does seem like maybe that there, there are, you know, more logistical challenges than expected. And and to go off Nikki's point, I mean, tagging Brandon Sheriff at $18 million a year, that's 130% more than the second highest paid guard, which is Brandon Brooks at an average of 14 per year. So, you know, this is I'm not saying anything new by saying it's surprising that that he played at at 18 million dollars this year. But um, when you do risk, you know, kind of losing that guy for sure, if he plays on the tag this year and also trying to balance what, what Ron Rivera said about taking care of the guys in the locker room and showing the locker room they care about players, um, th- this is certainly a, a discordant example of that. And uh, I just think it's going to be very curious how this plays out before they have that deadline on July 15th to sign them to a long term deal, if that is a, a possibility.
0: Right. And, I, and here's where the one, the, the flip side and this is now the market is getting a little bit flooded with guards. And, you, and as Nikki said, we're starting to see that now. And my one thought with this was that, you know, they, he is obviously a top guard. And if he's hitting the market, he is getting top guard money. So he's probably getting, he's going to get probably around 16 million or so per year, somewhere around there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the other, the thing that my thought process on it it was, well, it allows you to keep this guy for another year. He is that good and he's going to be better than anybody else in the market. To what extent that's where you'd have to wrestle with it, Mm -hmm. but without a quarterback that they have to pay, you don't have that salary and the, top players are all on rookie contracts, the Chase Youngs, Montez, Allen Payne, and Terry McLaurin. So it gives you that freedom this year if you wanted to keep a guy at that cost. That's the only way that I can justify that, right? Because otherwise I told someone the other day, the only 18 million I'm paying for a guard is name better be Michael Jordan because, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, 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 otherwise it's just, it's hard. I mean, I've had coaches here in the past who would tell me you don't win with bleeping guards. The game is a little bit different now because there's more interior pressure. So you want that guy. He is one of your guys. But I think what I would do and see if you guys agree, like even if you keep him, I'm probably going to draft a guy or find something else that I can maybe develop and then let him walk after next year because I'm not going to pay that much if I don't have to because now you're getting into encroaching on the defensive line contracts coming up. I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
1: I think it's another important position that you're just kind of punting down the road till next year, which means there's, there's more to do next year. I mean, you could be looking at still having to find a starting quarterback next year, still having to find a left tackle next year, um, figuring out how to pay the defensive line next year and, you know, add to this, you know, the right guard. So I feel like they had an opportunity twice now to try to, you know locked down a longer term contract and if they viewed him as a longer term option it, it would have gotten done um, but if you don't view him as a longer term option it seems silly to pay him 18 million dollars a year for one season too um, i think they
0: I, i'm sorry to mean to cut you off i think they do view him as a long term guy i'm not sure that you know, you know, he's in a position where it's harder to sign him because right. of those tags they placed on him. So I think there's, I think that's, do you think that that's part of the issue here that that tag complicates any kind of situation, any kind of negotiation like this?
1: Yeah, I think it raises the floor in negotiations. I mean, if you're in shares camp, why wouldn't it, you know, right. clearly they're willing to pay him $18 million for, all right, well, that's, that's the new floor for me. Let's start there with negotiations, you know? So I think it makes it much more difficult. Um, I think what's made it harder for, and I don't want to speak for all the teams, but, you know, it seemed like they really began talks as soon as the cap floor was announced. And, it, and that was announced so late in the process that I, I think it um, kind of hindered teams. They got a, they got a late start to all of this. And it wasn't until today that the final cap was announced. Um, so, you know, they really only had a week or so to, to try to nail it down. But then again, this is a team that they knew they had plenty of cap space. They knew roughly where the cap was going to be. Um, but I, I do get the sense that a lot of teams are kind of waiting for that ballpark figure before they really dove into, um, some of their bigger deals.
0: And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind too, this group tag Josh, Josh Norman a few years ago and then they rescinded the tag. Now mm-hmm. he signs that this that's you know, you can't do that. But like that's why I wonder I almost wonder it'd be interesting if you find a guy in the market you like, it's like, well we can just get this guy and we'll rescind the tag. You know what I mean? So you know
1: that's why I'm surprised he hasn't signed it. I exactly, mean exactly lock it in, you know. Yeah
0: and, and but I think you know, and he probably's thinking, Well if I if, if I don't sign if I sign it, we'll get the eighteen million. If I don't sign it, I'll go out in the market and I'm gonna make a ton of money. But You know, and that's not a guy who who worries about money. I mean, you've seen some of the Instagram photos and stuff that he's put out there. Like, he doesn't seem like he's a guy who's stressed about this situation. So so that – but, yeah, I I don't know. It'll be – I still, like I said, I would get someone in here to fill at a cheaper level. Like I said, if if you get a guard in the draft that you can develop or maybe an Ismail or or maybe Sadiq Charles develops over here and you can – do something with him if you get another tackle in the draft and maybe you have more options up front to replace him if you need it. Um, but I would make sure I would do what I can. If you're going to keep him at that, then I would make sure that I have a cheaper, good replacement ready to go the following year so that way you're not, like you said, Nikki, you're not searching for more answers than than what they have now. So
2: I just to kind of zoom out, beyond the X's and O's of do you resign, Brandon, I think uh, Nikki made a good point about, you know, hunting down the road all of these pieces that you're going to have to build you know center your rebuild around and this is year two for Ron Rivera this is uh you know a big deal for him in terms of setting up maybe the cornerstones of the team that that he's going to want to hit that window in 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 year three year four year five and so to me it's as much as it is about the logistics of can you pay Brandon and still be competitive long term and pay the defensive line and, and all of those things it's know if you're going to start identifying okay which six or seven guys do we really want to pay how do we handle really the the foundation of this roster uh i just think and and especially for a guy like rivera who likes to retain and build around his own obviously i know he didn't sign or or draft brandon sheriff but he's been in the building with him for a year he knows who this guy is so so i do think this is a you know a curious situation uh, to see play out
0: Uh, absolutely i think those are those are good points too so i'm glad we touched on those. Um, how aggressive do you think they will be in free agency, Nikki?
1: I'm honestly curious to see how aggressive they are. I mean, I, I think a lot of us go back and we reference that Amari Cooper play um, last year when they tried to get him and, you know, reportedly outbid even the team he signed with. But I'm curious if they try to take the same approach and, and spend a lot of money on a receiver if they really don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Um, Or if they kind of follow the the model that they created last year and and going for um, less heralded options who they believe have some sort of untapped potential like Logan Thomas or J.D. McKissick. Um, You know, I think it's it's an interesting time because they have a, a. of a new front office they have a new guy leading the personnel department um they have chris pullian in there now they have martin mayhew and and, um marty Kearney. i mean how how are all these guys going to come together to make the decisions um so i'm curious how aggressive they're going to be because they all have kind of different track records too i mean martin has made some he made some splash moves in detroit that really set the team up well i mean that 2013 draft class he had was pretty impressive but you know I I think the advantage that Washington has and you know Ron kind of hinted at this but you know they they do have a lot of cap room to work with and that's an advantage this year whether they take it whether they you know really view it as that is one thing but you know this is a, a, a year where they do have considerable room to go get the guys they want and spend good money on them. I'm just curious how, how, how they view it, how they evaluate, you know, the, you know, the, the market for receivers, which is obviously deep, or if, you know, they decide to turn to the draft for that and same with tackles, you know, same with tight ends. Um, Do they value a veteran over a younger guy? Um, There's a lot of unknowns still, I feel like with this group.
0: I no, there 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 definitely is. And I also think like last year is a good model because to me, what it was with Amari Cooper was a guy they identified could be a difference maker for them. They were aggressive trying to go for him. It didn't mean they were going to go sign anybody willy-nilly like they have in the like year. This is more years ago, um, where they just say, Okay, you're gonna know, throw big money at this guy, you don't get him, now go throw big money at that guy. It was more targeting a certain guy and then being aggressive to get that guy. Sam, what are, you guys just wrote a free agency preview earlier this week on WashingtonPost.com. What positions do you think that you are looking for them to maybe attack more in free agency?
2: Yeah, I think beyond quarterback, beyond receiver, as we've talked about, you know, offensive line as well, I think that the two that stand out to me are cornerback and linebacker starting with linebacker, because Ron Rivera was, was really critical of that unit this year. Um, and, and today when asked, you know, kind of what he wants to address, um, I thought it was interesting. He, he brought up Kevin Pierre-Lewis right away, um, especially because, you know, KPL snap counts diminished uh, toward the end of the year. Um, But I think when, when he says he's looking for a guy like that, maybe he's looking for a, a guy who's a little lighter, who, who can be in coverage, you know, maybe Tennessee's Jayon Brown or, or Buffalo's Matt Milano, those two guys are, are probably going to be the top coverage linebackers on the market this year. Um, over the cap projects that that uh, they'd be worth probably about $10 million over per year over three or four years. So I think those, that's kind of the position. And, and those are the guys who, you know, if you don't re-sign KPL, make a lot of sense. Um, and then at cornerback, I think the question is, you know, can you re-sign Ronald Darby? He's probably, you know, one of the better corners on the market this year, maybe, you know, worth 9 or $10 million per year as well. But those two units, uh, to me, are kind of the ones that you would want to solidify when, when you talk about this defense moving forward. Obviously, the defensive line is, is going to be just fine. And at safety, even, you know, no matter what happens when, when Landon Collins comes back with Cam Curl, um, you probably feel good about that. And, and uh, you know, they the, the team is expected to have interest in, in Carolina safety. Trey Boston as right. you know, as every former Carolina Panther is, is probably <laughs> going to have interest here. Um, but I think, uh, you know, those two positions, quarter and linebacker are the ones that I'd
0: probably focus on, uh, you
2: know, in the immediate future.
0: Hey, Nikki, going back to that story, are there some names that you think that you're on the lookout for more than others?
1: Um, I'm Well, I'm curious about the free safety market. My only concern is, um, you know, they have a lot of cap space already allocated to Kendall Fuller and Landon Collins. Can they really afford to, you know, allocate more to a free safety? Because it's a deep class of guys. I mean, Justin Simmons is off the board, but, you know, maybe Anthony Harris or somebody from Minnesota I thought would be intriguing because they do have talent back there in the secondary, but they don't really have a true free safety. I think Cam is more of a... Strong safety, and yep. I don't know that Landon Collins is going to be here beyond the season unless he really balls out of his mind. Um, coming back from injury, um, as far as receiver, I mean, I thought it was really interesting that Kenny Galladay is now free. I mean, he's going to get a ton of money, but then again, you know, I, I do kind of wonder if the veteran the veteran class of free agents if their value gets pushed down slightly because it's another deep class in the draft for receivers. I mean, do teams feel like they can get a better value even in a, in a day two pick, kind of like Washington did with, with Terry McLaurin um, and, and save the money there? Or do they go after, you know, a guy and spend big on, you know, Kenny Galladay and, um, you know, a lot of other names out there. I was kind of hoping that they would – consider taylor moten though i know carolina was probably going to tag him anyway and they did um but i do think that's a position that is so often overlooked um just you know just it's hard to find a left tackle i get it you know they don't come on the market all too often um and they're going to cost you but i I think if you know and i don't know I, i feel like it's important to invest in the front line and i feel like many teams still don't do that especially teams like this one that has a young offense and could likely have a a young quarterback for the foreseeable future whether he's on the roster or you know in the future so that's i i mean i would like to see them spend the money there also hunter henry's on the market too i mean i you know if you're not going to spend big on a receiver maybe you go after a tight end you know a a guy that can kind of do it all and pair him with logan thomas i think that could be intriguing
0: I, I I'm with you on that one. That's the position that, that I'd look at because this draft is so deep at receiver um, that I don't know that I'd break the bank there, but I like whether Hunter Henry or Johnu Smith, I'm a big new guy, um, you know, um, but, but that's, but it's the same position, same, same line of same rationale, last thing, do you think they will find their quarterback in the next couple of weeks or a quarterback They're the the quarterback for at least 2021. <laughs>
2: It, it it like we've said it it's a it's a limited talent pool. I think Marcus Mariota, if he were to come available, if the team were, were to release him, I th- if the Raiders were to release him, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I know Joe Theismann has compared him to you know he thinks Mariota is capable of being the next uh, the next Ryan Tannehill in terms of maybe someone who didn't get off to the best start in his career and could maybe come to an offense that that's young, that's growing, and sort of reinvent himself. Um, maybe, maybe showed that he's a little bit better than he he did in his in his rookie contract anyway um I, I think if that if 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 that were to happen that would make sense to me maybe not the Darnold trade because then you'd have to lock into you'd either have to decline his option or lock into him uh for for the year after but again as as we said I think they're going to be judicious about it and uh if it happens I think they'll be okay with it if it doesn't uh I think they're going to be okay with punting.
1: I I think it will. I don't think it's going to be a great option. Like maybe, you know, they get a Ryan Fitzpatrick type. I I wouldn't put him out of the running for for Sam Darnold. Um whether you agree with it or or not, maybe they view him as a guy that, you know, would have more success here with a new quarterbacks coach, you know, new system, fresh start. Maybe they view him as kind of their golf going from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay, who knows? I mean, I do think he was a, a, a first round pick for a reason. There certainly is some potential there. Um, you, you do have to be careful though, obviously, because as Sam mentioned with that fifth year contract, which becomes fully guaranteed immediately, um, you know, that's, you're basically giving giving them a, a two year, fully guaranteed deal, but, um, do you, do you want that in a guy like Darnold or do you just want to, you know, a one-year prove-it guy um, and, and maybe wait to see, you know, what happens with Bridgewater or if you can trade for Mariota? I'm not – I don't love the idea of trading and giving up draft capital in a year where you still have a ton of holes to fill across the roster. But, again, it's not like they have a ton of great options. And I I would be surprised if they went into the offseason with just Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, and Steven Montez. I just can't see that.
0: Yeah, I'd be I'd be really surprised by that. And I think you know it's funny that we bring up Darnold because I think with Darnold, so much of it depends what you thought of him coming out of college. Yeah. And I go, and it's funny because when I talk to people, they reference his Ohio State game in the bowl game after his last year. And it's almost like a that game is almost like a Rorschach test because some people saw the competitiveness of him. That's why they love him because he was tough. He got hit. He kept bouncing up. Other people saw the continuous turnovers that have followed him to the NFL. And so for that reason, they don't want him. And so to me, he's as divisive as any. So if you get him, I think you better be prepared to pick up that, to keep that option because you probably liked him coming out. Whereas Mariota, you're going to take a flyer on him because he's going to be trustless.
1: And I think if you're taking on a young guy, I mean, I I think, this is just my opinion. I feel like teams have been chasing the the Pat Mahomes, you know, more recently than ever. And you know, so these younger guys get basically a five game tryout. Where if they if they don't show out in that time, then they just move on from them. You know, without really giving credence to the fact that coordinators change and systems change and quarterback coaches change and there's a lot of moving parts around these guys and it doesn't necessarily always fall on them. Um, so I think if you're going to take on a guy like that and you know he needs some development, it only makes sense to give him the time to develop. Um and while I realize not every quarterback is Josh Allen and he's rare, I mean, I, I think you do have to look at the fact that, you know, he was pretty inaccurate coming out of Wyoming and look at what he's, he's done in his time with some continuity around him in Buffalo. Um, that should be the goal for a young quarterback in my mind. Um, and if you take on a player like that, you know, it's about building around him more so than just figuring out if he and he alone works.
2: And, and the thing that, that no one talks about with, with Sam Darnold is that if you trade for him, you now have two redheads named Sam in, you know, in and around the building, which, which obviously would be a huge boon for the, for the franchise. Do
1: you think he would um, try out for iCarly too? Is that like competition for you? Or, I mean, no, no, he,
2: can't, he can't try out against me. That I, I don't do well under
1: pressure. Wow. Wow. I,
0: I think that would be fantastic, though. And I didn't even—I had not thought of that possibility. And listen, this franchise did well with the redheaded quarterback back in the '60s and Sonny Jurgensen. So, but a little bit before, even before my time, for God's sake. So, but yeah, that was, Sam, I think um, was was he on what was the Dragon Show? Dragon Tales, man. Dragon Tales. There you wow. go. It's, he wasn't on that, was he?
2: No, no, I, I don't believe so. My my acting credits are a little bit a little bit deeper than his, but. Uh, I, I think he's certainly outdone me uh, as we became teenagers.
0: Are they going to do a reboot of Dragon Tales? You heard anything on that?
2: I, <laughs> uh, multiple sources uh, have not <laughs> said anything to me about that. So,
0: okay. so uh, I'll and keep, you, I'll keep you posted.
1: Yeah, just call his agent for that.
0: Okay. Well, I think now I think this is the point where we probably have to wrap up. If we're if we're on to Dragon Tales, then that's that's the line of demarcation. So, hey, Sam, Nikki, thanks for coming on. Everybody, I I already told you where you can follow them and you can pay attention to that and go follow them on Twitter. Have you guys got anything you want to plug right now?
1: No, I'm good.
0: WashingtonPost.com. That's it all day every day. All right. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks
2: Thanks for having us, John.
0: Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. I know you're enjoying the John Kahn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team, everything you want, you want to know which is going on with the Washington football team. Once you're done with that, check out my podcast, Inside the Cap, which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations. Check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media. That's it for this week. Thanks to Sam and Nikki for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll have another podcast out Sunday night and whenever there's big breaking news. Talk to you next time.